This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Great to be here this beautiful Sunday. Hope that you are having a good, blessed week. I want to ask you to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. We're going to study from Judges 6 and Judges 7 today. If you're visiting today, we hope you'll enjoy the service. We'll ask you to follow along, and if you want to get out an uh, Old Testament there in the chair in front of you, we'll have the passages up on the screen. We're going to study about Gideon this morning, and Gideon's a pretty interesting uh, account. Judges is a, a great book from the Old Testament because Judges is the time in which the people of God, the people of Israel, really goofed up a lot. And if you're familiar with Judges at all, you'll read through Judges and the people will start doing wrong and they'll start goofing up and God will reprove them and he'll discipline them and they'll repent and there'll be a judge come along and help the people and get them out of their fix and the people will do right for a little while then they'll start goofing up and doing wrong and then God will send some nation like the Philistines and he'll come and he'll reprimand the children of Israel and then they'll repent and another judge will rise up. And this is the book of Judges over and over. And so after we had Moses and Joshua, after Joshua we had a system of judges for 350 years. At the end of the 350 years we had Samuel the prophet come along. And after Samuel came the kings, David, Solomon, and so on and so forth. And so in this account of Gideon, it's a fascinating account because it has to do with the children of Israel being in trouble. Once again, we're going to start in Judges 6 and verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So the children of Israel, once again, have made poor decisions and poor choices, or they go to following other gods or false gods. And in this case, God says, I tell you what, since you're going to do evil and not serve me and follow me, I'll just let you spend a little time in the hand of the Midianites. Well, these are heathen people. They are Gentiles. They are not Godly people, they're not Jewish people. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Verse 3, and it was so when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east even they came up against them, and they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou cometh unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude. And so this challenge that the children of Israel has, because they did evil, these Midianites, there were lots and lots and lots of them. There were so many of them that they came up and every time they sowed a crop, they, they destroyed it or they took it. 
All their sheep and cattle they took. And he describes them when they come up with their cattle and tents like grasshoppers. Now, I went out yesterday evening in between rains, and I got to looking around. There was a bunch of careless weeds growing over in the yard, and they were just covered in grasshoppers. And I went and got my grasshopper spray and hooked it up to my hose, and I went out and just... And I says, goodbye, turkeys. You'll be gone. You'll, they'll be hurting for certain, you know, today. But these folks have got a problem. And this problem is not just that an invading army has come in and taken over their country and taken over their lands. This invading army is eating up everything so that they don't have any food. They're not living in their houses anymore. They've gone out and now they're living in tents. They're living in caves that he says. He goes on to say right here, For both they and their camels were without numbered, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel. What they do? They cried unto the Lord. And this is a standard pattern that we see with the children of Israel. And we can look at them and say, you guys were dummies. My goodness. How come you couldn't just follow the Lord? Because every time this happens, you get in trouble. And the Midianites or the Amalekites or one of those countries comes up and would plague them and hurt them for four or five or seven or ten years and then they'd start crying oh God help us God help us I need help and then God typically would send a deliverer now let's go on to verse 11 of Judges chapter 6 there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained to Joash the Abyssalite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now you generally thresh wheat on a threshing floor. That's the right way to do it. The smart way to do it. He didn't do that because he's got to try to hide from the Midianites. And so he's threshing wheat by the wine press. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him. The Lord is with thee. Beg your pardon? The Lord is with you. Excuse me, the Lord is not with me. We are getting killed out here. That's got to be the attitude. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. This is what the angel says. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this happened to us? And where be all his miracles? which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? tell you Gideon is sitting there going we I wait a minute we are getting our tails kicked we are in deep deep trouble I am there is no way I'm this mighty man the Lord said go in thy might now Verse 15, and he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Because, behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Thou shalt smite the Midianites 
as one man. Well, it's good news. It's good news, isn't it? God has heard your oppression. God has heard your cry. God has heard your prayers. And I'm here to tell you that you are going to deliver the people. You are a mighty individual, a mighty man. And you, my friend, are going to smite the Midianites. This is great news, isn't it? You know what the problem is? Gideon's going, I can't do it. I'm, I, I can't do I'm not your guy. This is the challenge that we find in this account. And I want to ask you to go to Numbers chapter 7. I elected not to put every one of these passages up. So if you'll pull out your Bible, I know it's a lot of trouble, but bend down there and get you a Bible, and we'll do it the old school way just for a little while. Judges 7, we're going to read about 25 verses, and we'll stop and make some observations. Judges 7 verse 1, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early, and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now God has done decided the Midianites are toast. Okay? I'm going to deliver them. And Gideon's going to be the guy to lead this charge. But there's just too many people because you're going to believe you whipped them yourself. That's the idea that he presents here in this first couple of verses. Verse 2 or verse 3. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Gilead. And there return to the people twenty and two thousand. And there remain 10,000. So he says, okay, folks, anybody who's scared, go on home. 22,000 said, I think I'll go to the house. Verse, then he says, 10,000 remain. The Lord said to Gideon, there, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I shall say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go so he brought down the people under the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man to his place. Now, I'm no, I'm no soldier. If you want a soldier, you talk to Matt. Matt's the soldier. Uh, and I'm just going to assume, and Matt can correct me if I'm wrong, do you think this is the way to pick your soldiers? This is the way to pick your army? We need 300 really good, strong guys. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's see how they drink. And all the ones that drink like dogs, that's the one we need. All the others, send them home. I want to ask you a question. Why do you think God chose this method? 
Why this method? He's, he's proving to them, I'm choosing guys that have nothing to do with their soldiering ability. That's what he's doing. He's choosing a team of people that had nothing to do with their ability to fight and to war. He didn't choose the swordsmiths. He didn't choose the slingers who sling stones. He didn't choose the archers. He didn't choose the generals. Who'd he choose? The dog faces. That's who he chose. And this is with purpose. God did this with purpose. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. Verse 8. So the people took vittles in their hand and their trumpets. He set all the rest of Israel, every man into his tent and returned those 300 men and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night, this is verse 9, that the Lord said unto him, Arise and get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go with Purah, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thine hand be strengthened to go down into the host. Then went he down with Pura, his servant. Oh, I got too much. To the outside of the army and that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude and their camels were without numbered as the sand by the sea for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. All right, so Gideon, he goes down and there's the army. There's all the Midianites and Gideon starts to listen. And this guy says, hey, I dreamed a dream. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm fascinated by dreams. Dreams fascinate me. Ask Gage. I always want to know every time I'm with Gage, did you dream a little dream last night? And he always goes, no. I go, man, you're just the most boring kid. Come on. A while back, I dreamed that I was in New Mexico or Arizona and uh, we went to some kind of a state park. And in this state park was a ginormous hole in the ground. And I couldn't see what was down in the hole. And I kept thinking, what's in the hole? I wanted to see it. This was my dream. And in my dream, all these people were out there and they were making fun of me. And I thought, well, I don't, you can make fun of me all you want. I don't care if you make fun of me. I turned around and walked in this little building. There were some people in there. They made fun of me too. And I thought, well, go ahead. I'm, a, I'm, a girl, I'm confident in myself. I don't care if you make fun of me. I turned around and walked back outside, and I saw an enormous mushroom cloud. Like a nuclear, the nuclear of all nuclear bombs went off, and I thought, my, Washington, D.C. is gone. That's my, my thought. And Gage, I thought immediately, i got to get a hold of Mark Parkhurst. That's my dream. I woke up. What does it mean? I don't know. I have no idea what it means. Is nuclear war coming? Are people going to start making fun of me? I don't know. Okay. This man told his dream. Verse 13. When Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. He said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian. 
and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alone. Was it mean? These guys are talking. I had this dream. And a loaf of bread tumbles into the camp. And it hits a tent and knocks it down. What does that mean? I don't know. Verse 14. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon. How do you get that interpretation? I want to tell you what that is. That is God. Okay, listen to me very carefully, folks. That is God putting something in this man's brain. This is the sword of Gideon, and you are in trouble. This is the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hands hath God delivered the Midian and all the host. So... Gideon has snuck down and he's sitting outside these tents and he's heard their talk. He's heard the voice of this soldier of Midian saying, we're in trouble. This dream has showed us that we've been delivered in and this gives Gideon courage. Okay, it gives him courage. Verse 15, and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped and returned unto the host of Israel, and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand and with an empty pitcher. Now, this pitcher would have been what we would think of as a, a tea pitcher, a, a vessel for holding, you know, a gallon of, of liquid, of water. All right, they've got a trumpets and they've got empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. So this pitcher probably made out of clay, so you couldn't see through it. It wasn't made out of glass. And inside the pitcher, they've got a candle and they've got a trumpet. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet... I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And all the three companies blew the trumpets and break their pitchers and held the lamps in their left hand and the trumpets in their right to blow with all. Then they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place around about the camp and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshitta and Zerath, and to the border of Abimoah, unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Orb and Zeb. And they slew Orb on the rock, Orb, and they slew Zeb. They slew at the winepress of Zeb and pursued Midian and brought the heads of Orb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. That's the account 
or the most of it, of Gideon. I want to ask you a question. Why? Why is this account in the Bible? Why is there a book of Judges at all? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've I got a, things that bother me, and, and one of my weird quirks is it bothers me when somebody gets up and preaches and calls this a story. I guess it is a story, but it's, it's truth. This is history. This happened. It is an account of history. Why did this happen? And why, furthermore, why does it matter to you and me? Is it just history or is there some application to you and I? Well, I believe there's an application. That's what I want to look at uh, as we study. I believe this story, this account, is there to give you and I confidence. Because I believe we're not a confident people. Now, I don't understand that totally. But there are lots of Christians who are, have no confidence. And they have fear in their hearts. All about a whole lot of different things. But it seems to me like the number one fear that Christians have is talking to someone who's not a Christian about religion. We have a real fear. And I don't, I don't believe it's a rational fear. I don't. Here's the thing. Evangelism is not about you. It's not about you. Was the salvation of the children of Israel from the Midianites about Gideon? Was it about him being a warrior? A swordsmith? Or a general? No, it wasn't. It was about God delivering them into his hand, and God did. It's not about you or how much you know. Judges 6, verse 11. There came an angel of the Lord that sat in the oak, which was in Orpha, that pertained unto Joash the Abizurite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. He wasn't out there fighting. He wasn't out there being a soldier. He wasn't even out there being a spy of some kind. He's a farmer. He, he grew wheat, evidently. He was just a simple farmer. And he's not even a brave farmer. He's a cowardly farmer because he's hiding just to process his crop. That's what he's doing. So the delivery of Israel by Gideon was not something to do with his might or his will or his knowledge. So I want you to understand this point. This is a great point. It is not about you. It is not about how much you know. In the book of 1 Corinthians 3 verses 5 and 6, he says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul and Apollos were servants of the church, weren't they? I want to ask you a question. Are you a servant of the church? You say, yeah, but I'm no Paul. I'm no Paul. Guess what? There's not a Paul, a, a real Paul the Apostle alive hadn't been for thousands of years. There's no real Apollos left. But these guys were ministers by whom someone else believed. And the fact is that everyone in this room 
had someone minister to them in their life and serve them, and that caused those people to believe. Jace Henderson is a Christian today and believes in the Lord Jesus today because someone in his life acted and ministered to him. Now, likely that was his parents. Maybe it was other people within the church. It's not about how much you know. It's not about you. Isaiah 55, verses 9 through 11. He says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be. So shall my word be. It shall not. Let me back up. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. Part of this account of Gideon is a a message to trust in God. Now I don't know if you notice. But every few sermons here at Wheeler. Somebody gives a sermon about evangelism. Go evangelize. Go talk to somebody. Go, 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 go. Probably to a point where you go, oh man, here, here we go. Here's another one. But something you have to have an understanding of is we're not dealing with Sean's words. We're not dealing with Kenneth's words or Brandon's words or the elders' words. We are dealing with God's words. God's words. And his words are not going to go goof up. His words are not going to go out there and do no good. He has prophesied long ago that his word's going to go out and it's going to accomplish his purpose. And it's going to please him. And he says, it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now that's the idea. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, he says we have this treasure. The treasure he's describing was the gospel of Jesus in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God takes Gideon. He says, you're going to deliver the people. But there's too many of you. There's way too many. So tell everybody who's afraid to go home. 22,000 go home. There's 10,000 left. That means there were 32,000 at the beginning. Now there's 10,000. 10,000 way too many. Let's see who drinks like a dog. There's 300. Okay, the 300. That's the number. That way you, God says, that way you know I've done this. I've done it. And you may hear me say, or you may hear some preacher say, uh, I converted this guy. We converted these people. I want to just tell you, there ain't never been a preacher alive that's ever converted anybody. Not one. It is the word of God. That converts people. It is the word of God that changes people. And God's word does not return to him void. It does not. 
It accomplishes his purpose. And the word of God, the treasure of the gospel of Jesus, is in an earthen vessel. What's a vessel? Same thing as a pitcher, isn't it? It's just like a water bottle. Why are water bottles important? Because we want water. We need water. And they carry, and that's what you and I are. We are a water bottle. We carry the water of life. You carry within you the word of God, the most powerful thing in this universe. The words of life. They're in you. You know them. You carry them around everywhere you go. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's a living word. That's what the word quick means. It's a powerful word. It's a word that will cut. It can pierce and divide. He goes on to say it and understands the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God's different than other words. Other words are still and dead. The word's of man. The Word of God's alive. The Word of God gets in you and it goes to work. The Word of God makes you think. The Word of God works on you because it knows where you're at and what you need. That's what we have to use. 1 Thessalonians uh, 2 verse 13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasings because when you received the Word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men but as it is in truth the Word of God. Notice what he goes on to say, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The word of God is the paramount thing. And people all the time, I, I'll encourage people to do a Bible, set up a Bible study. They go, I, I ain't no good at that. Really? And Gideon was a good warrior. You think about it. It's not about how good you are at doing a Bible study. It's about getting the truth out into someone else's mind. And let the word of God do the work. That's the idea. It's not about how much you know. It's about what you sow. That's what it's about. Because the word of God's sharp. The word of God's powerful. It's alive. And all we got to do is try to get that into people's mind. Jeremiah 23 verse 29. Is not my word like as a fire saith the Lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Jack you know what a hammer is and a fire that breaks a rock into pieces? That's dynamite. Yeah. God's word break down the hard hearted. God's word caused people not sleep at night. God's word makes people live with regret and live in fear. God's word does. God's word will change you. God's word will make a man repent from alcoholism or being a lustful person or prideful or on and on and on. Once God's words get in your mind, you can't get it out because it's like a fire and like a hammer. And so it's not about you or how much you know. It's about God's word. That's what evangelism is about. And I believe that the story of Gideon is an account that should teach us to trust in God. And so that's my next point. You must trust in God. You cannot trust in yourself. Judges 6 verse 14. The look... Lord looked down upon him and said, Go in this thy might. 
And Gideon's going, God, I'm a wimp. Don't you think God's saying to you today, go talk to someone because you are mighty. I guarantee if I say everyone here today who's mighty, stand up. We'll all lay down. The Lord looked upon him and said, And go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of all my father's house. Look at this guy. He's got no confidence at all. Verse 16, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. I'll ask you a question. Is God with you? Is God with you as a Christian? Does God want you to have success as a Christian? Does God want people to hear the gospel? Yes. Does God want you to go talk to someone who you know? Without a doubt. He wants you to have the courage to do that. Psalms 118 verses 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. We got to trust God. Psalms 18 too. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. And whom I will trust, my buckler. That's a shield. And the horn of my salvation. My high tower. Does God want the church here in Wheeler? To thrive or to fail? Does he want you as a Christian to thrive or fail? Does he want your marriage to thrive or fail? Does he want your children to thrive or fail? What does God want? We got to have confidence. God's already won this victory. The devil's been defeated. Jesus overcame the grave and death. And all we got to do is share the news. It's the central tenet of Christianity that Christians share the message of Christ. And so many have not enough confidence to do it. I'm here to tell you it's not about you. It's not about how much you know. It's not about how awkwardly you do it. We've got to do what God has told us to do. God told Gideon to do things that Gideon believed he was incapable of doing. God told Gideon to do things that Gideon thought would never work. He wasn't the first to feel that way. I want you to notice Moses, Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. What did Moses say? I'm not a good talker, Lord. I'm no good. I can't talk to people. You know I can't talk to people. And then he begged for Aaron. I want you to notice Exodus 4 verse 10, now Acts 7, 22. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian was mighty in words and deeds. Did he do more than he thought he could do? I suppose so. I want to tell you what Moses did. He delivered the word of the Lord. He delivered the word of the Lord. Did Pharaoh like it? No. 
Did Pharaoh immediately turn around and become a child of Israel? Nope. Well, I tell you, did it convict him? Yep. Sure did. It sure did. James 1, 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We have a responsibility to be a soldier in the kingdom of the Lord. And that means we got to open our mouth, which for whatever reason sometimes is the hardest thing on earth to do. But we need to have confidence that God, it's God's will that we do so. And so if it's his will, then we need to do it. John 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. We've got to do what God's asked us to do. And he's asked us to spread the seed. He's asked you to sow the seed. He's asked you. And I want to tell you, that means every one of you. I suppose Sister Nelda's the oldest member of our congregation. He expects, God expects her to do that. I believe Jonathan Ingalls, probably the last person that's become a member of this congregation. Jonathan, the Lord expects you to do that. To sow seed. And everyone in between. To plant and water and to work together to put a seed into someone's heart and then come back and water that seed and water that seed. And that seed, that word is like dynamite and it will change people. It will change the lives. Who has sent you? Did Sean Zebok send you? No. David and Garland? No. I want to tell you who sends you today. God Almighty, the God of heaven, the God of heaven. So I want to wrap up with the idea that we need to lead. Someone needs to lead. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, he says, Then I told them of the hand of my God which was upon me. You ever felt that way? But God's hand's just on you, pushing you. Go, go, go. It's just hard to resist. I'll tell you, if God's hand's on you and he tells you to do something, you better do it. Better do it. Do it right quick. I'd think do it right quick. The hand of my God was upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. If you're familiar with Nehemiah, they had a very challenging situation because they went back to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the city. And they worked with a tool to build the wall in one hand and a sword in the other because the enemies were upon them. Acts chapter 8 verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. The church come under intense persecution and that didn't stop them from teaching and preaching. So I want to encourage you today to lead in teaching. Go teach somebody. Go talk to somebody. If you need help, ask for help in teaching somebody. There's plenty of people here in this congregation, both men and women, that can help you to teach somebody. Pray about this. He says pray without ceasing. We could spend hours studying about that. We're not going to take time to do that. Pray that God will help you to open your mouth and talk to the people around you. Finally, he says fellowship. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Spend time with other Christians and in comfort one another and encourage one another. Matthew 21 and verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. 
But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of the twain did the will of his father. God has said, I want you to go talk to people. I want you to sow the seeds in those people's hearts. Make a difference. I will not. Or I go, sir. That's the idea. I'm going to ask you to get out your songbooks. We're going to close this up. Get your songbook out. Now we're going to look at this one more verse. Judges 8, 32, and 33. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash, his father, and Ophrah of the Abizurites. He lived a good old long life, didn't he? Verse 33, and it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam and made Baal Bereth their God. It's crazy, isn't it? That's just crazy. But you know what? Most likely, most likely, everyone in this room sat here today and thought, I need to go, I need to go talk to George. I need to go talk to her. I need to go, I'll go talk to him. Most likely, every one of us. And we'll get up and we'll walk out of those doors and in two days we'll say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And that's crazy. Because we have to trust in the Lord. He's going to help us. His will is that we teach other people and his word will do the work. We'll do the work. May God bless you today. To be courageous. And open your mouth. And make a difference in someone's life. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.